Welcome to Well Played Podcast, a podcast on all things playful and joyous. The Well Played group is made up of educators passionate about making learning immersive and fun. Today we have uh, John Meeham back with us. Uh, John, if you could give yourself a brief introduction, that would be excellent. Yeah, so my name is John. I teach uh, high school English at Bishop O'Connell High School in Arlington, Virginia. I'm a high school uh, English teacher, 11th grade, and fully gamified in my class, thanks in large part to Mr. Matera. So thanks, shout out to Mike. And uh, I'm also a high school instructional coach, so we have a faculty of 98, and I work pretty closely with about 30 a month. Um, just trying to change the game in education, getting students engaged, putting that student-centered pedagogy, you know, all the buzzwords, but like really living it. Um, so <laughs> I geek out for this stuff. Right? Yeah, right. It's 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 you don't do it for the money; you do it for the love. And this is I love this stuff. I could talk about it for hours. Awesome. John has a new Twitter handle, so we want to make sure everybody gets this one from the last podcast. Yep. Uh, John, you want to share that? Sure. I'm Meehan Edu. I find that I just I go to so many conferences; it's the easiest way to meet with people. Um, so if you look on on Twitter, it's Meehan. That's M E E H A N E D U, like education. So let's hang out. Let's talk. Awesome. Uh, so today, kind of a special day. Uh, if you're hearing this podcast in the normal channels of iTunes, SoundCloud, however you listen to the podcast, uh, well, then that's going to be about the same. But John and I are doing this. This is episode 53, a new year. I thought I'd try something new. You can now get this if you want to see John and I talk this through. Uh, it'll be up on my YouTube channel on one of the playlists. It'll just be a well-played playlist. Uh, and... It's, it'll be the exact same content that's on the podcast. But if you want to see our lovely faces, join us. Check it out. You know, Michael, I got to tell you, I'm with my face on the podcast. I'm nervous because I'll do a lot of like visual like nodding, and that's great. They can't hear that on the recorded version <laughs> on the internet only. So I got to make sure I'm sort of doing both. And I'm Italian, so I talk with my hands. So we'll see that I... No, me I, too. You'll, you'll see a, a different well-played if, if you watch it versus listening to it. So... Uh, well, without further ado, I am really excited. Uh, John approached me with this topic, and he hit right at right, right in the heart. Uh, the topic today is going to be all about Zelda, and I think if you're like super nerdy like me, you're going to love this. But I also think even if you've never played Zelda, I think there's some things to glean from this conversation. So, you know, I hope you stick with us and and check it out with us. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just, it's, it, it may be the perfect video game. And it has so much name power over 30 or 40 years of just like, there's something about it that strikes the cultural zeitgeist. It, it, it is an all time favorite. I can't tell you how many times I'll play the 8 bit version and go back and play it again and again and again. Um, and even it, it's now, it's, 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 you know, Breath of the Wild is powering the sales of the, you know, the new Nintendo systems. If there's something about Zelda that works, so I'd love to, to geek out and talk about it and figure out how we can steal all of that cool stuff into our classrooms uh, at, at any level because it's amazing. That's right. So for me, I mean, I'll fully admit I have not played every Zelda because I never owned a Super Nintendo. So Same. I, so I've missed those Zeldas. But I think I've. We played... lost about half of our issue, our, our our listeners right there. You know that, right? Because well, no, they're, they're, you guys can it. comment not about our poor choices in not having a Super Nintendo, but you can comment about how awesome that game is. Amen. Uh, so, I will say my favorite. I mean, favorite video game of all time is Zelda on the original NES, and you 
you can now play that because they re-released the NES Classic. So if you miss that opportunity, you can pick it up. Um, it is, it's so awesome. It's this like top down sort of, I mean, it's, it's this like, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's part like puzzler and it's part platformer, right? It's an overhead view of an open world sandbox with a very, I mean, limited graphic set, right? So what it does is it just drops you in with no explanation and you just sort of walk around and find your way into stuff. So that, I think by design, that's, that's, a, that's how the whole game series kind of works. Yeah, like that's one game that I actually often steal. Like, so when we're talking about attaching this to our class and things we could steal from it, um, I always talk about how in Zelda, you you don't have to sit through this like tutorial. You get dropped in the world on the first screen, and on the first screen, there's sort of like a rock formation to the south, so you can't go to the to the bottom of the screen. There's a little door up like a little black door that you could kind of go in and then there's three paths so you can go left right or up um yep. and i don't know i i naturally went into the black door to see what that was before i checked out the three others but even if you didn't you could you could you could double back but uh i you know that you go in that door and right away you're presented with something right john yeah so there's an old man who has a sword in there and he says it's dangerous to go alone take this and instantly I'm hooked on this game. Um, I love so much about what Zelda does because it's so zen, it's so stripped down, right? The the creation story of how they came up with that was like early in the test phases, people were reacting negatively because they had played Mario. And um, you play Mario and they, they shape the mushrooms like the Goombas. So you deliberately jump on them like by habit and you grow and you sort of learn the rules of that game. Playing Zelda and early in the game feedback, people were kind of confused about how to approach the game because you can go up, down or sideways. And what the game creators did, you know, the, the apocryphal story, I don't know how true it is, but, uh, you know, Miyamoto said, take away the sword, because originally he had given you a sword when you started the game, and you walked around slaying dragons or monsters, and people found it wasn't particularly fun, um, because they felt like they were leaving or losing quests or forgetting stuff. So he took the sword away, and he's like, people will figure this out, and then they're going to figure out that the game wants you to figure stuff out, so it will encourage you to explore it. And I don't know about you, but, like, Every single video game I've played ever since then, before I ever leave a room, I make sure to check every last stinking corner, like every Tomb Raider, every Mega Man, every, like how powerful a lesson that is. And that's 30 years ago, man. But like, I, I think in a classroom, you want that for your kids. You want to say, hey, are we sure we checked everything on this page before we turn the page? You, you double sure. All right, now let's go. Wait, wait, wait. And that's, I mean, that's really empowering as a learner, right? Yeah, and I think your story also sort of, shows us too the the this how empowering it is when you sort of discover something and then that drove right like that drove the game to the ultimate success it had uh merely by changing an old man giving it to you on screen two versus just starting with it i mean uh and that shifts how the game gets played and kind of how it inspires you to say like well what what else is out there you know and then yeah yeah the, the game is loaded, and I absolutely love Easter eggs. That's one of my favorite mechanics in, mm -hmm. in my class, in gamification in general. And that game's loaded with Easter eggs. So, I mean, I remember when I got the, the blue candle. Mm -hmm. The blue candle only lets you, like, light a fire once per screen. So you'd have to, like, right. go off the screen and back on the screen. 
and I burned like every darn bush like imaginable with my stupid blue candle. Not not realizing that later in the game there's going to be a red candle that you could just burn. A red candle. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, and then you're kicking yourself like, man, if I would have had that earlier, it would have saved myself hours. literally literally days, man. Like <laughs> there's so much time in that game you spend just pushing stuff like and again i always think of with my teacher hat on like i when i when i play video games now i just i can't stop i can't leave work at work right so i come home and i play mad and that's my game and that's not today's podcast but like i think about it like a teacher would think about it like well, what is this game teaching me what is it rewarding me with what is it encouraging me to do and yeah. i think that zelda like it says i don't know just try stuff just push stuff just burn stuff just try to walk across stuff the first time you re- figure out in zelda that you have um like the ladder bridge um, that that works for exactly one square of water walking. You're like, what? Now I could walk across water. I mean, not very far, but it's like that candle thing. Now you're like, well, let me try go back to that river I saw maybe. And your your mind instantly like goes back to like a hundred yes. map screens, and you're like, oh, I do remember seeing this little thing off the water, and this other little thing that I just kind of ignored the whole game. Now it's like, where so, was that? How can I get back to that? So you mentioned map screens. I want to ask that question both as a teacher and as I think we're probably on the oldest end of what millennials could be, right? Right between that Gen X or millennial thing. Like if you're in your 30s, it's a, it's a coin flip depending on who, who, who is uh, doing the math for it. Um, did you, like me, go to the library um, because we didn't have a subscription to it and check out Nintendo Power Magazine so you can get Zelda maps? <laughs> I have to admit that I didn't, but this is because my neighbor had uh, Nintendo Power, and so okay. we would just geek out in the basement and just read a bunch of these things and study them and but that, read, read, read. But read, what read. I love about those, those 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 maps is if I didn't have access to Nintendo Power, I would try to draw that stuff. Like I would draw like on a piece of paper, like. I gotta take notes on this. Like, where is the, you know, the, the level four temple, or where is the the mountains? And I'm 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 doing more work than the game ever asked me to do, because it's not, it's not insulting my intelligence. It's like, I don't know, figure it out. And so like, it's designed to be shareable, right? Yeah, and it's it's encouraging that exploration, uh, or like I the word I used at the start of the podcast, it it inspires you, to to do to do that. To, to go that extra mile, um, I just, the game is just perfect, people. And I would have to say, like, if there's something that I would credit with some of my early gamification ideas is, and, and I wouldn't say that I was consciously thinking of Zelda when I did them, but, like, if there's something that put these mechanics in my head in a way that just, like, crystallized them and they were there, it's mm-hmm. Zelda, like from, like I said, from the Easter eggs, from the notion of like not boring you with a long tutorial and just throwing you in, uh, through, like I often tell people at my presentations is that when you're coming up with items for your game, some some teachers really struggle with this this notion of like giving out items or h- how to build out items, and it it's really just a series of like I just talked about the candle. You, mm-hmm. you create some sort of item, and that item usually has some sort of limitation. So, like, right. you can only use it once. On this case, it was once per screen, and then you had to go back and forth, right? And then you instantly can kind of produce the second item, and that is the candle that no longer has that problem, right? Yeah. So, And you've said it, and you said it in a, in a past podcast, too. Like, you, you think at the end, 
uh, you would design with the end in mind, like, I'm just going to design the red candle, which gives the kids the ability to, to burn things at all times. But then you're like, what if I just gave them a single-use version of it? Then they're geeking out over a single-use version of the thing that you were like, ah, I mean, I was planning on doing the, the whole hog version of it. Exactly. But that's cool because it adds that incremental, like, excitement, right? And I think that in classroom design, and that doesn't even have to be in a gamified classroom. Like, you don't want to give away everything. I think that's when teachers think about gamification. They, they think about extrinsic rewards so much, like, oh, I just got to get a big bag of candy. Like, your kids are going to do a cost-benefit analysis real quick. It's right out of, um, I think, Dan Pink's book, Drive. Mm-hmm. It talks about intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. And, like, if you promise everybody at work, hey, guys, you have to stay late. I'm going to go ahead and get everybody, you know, gift cards or dinner. People do the cost-benefit analysis, and they're like, nope, not interested in dinner. I got dinner at my house. I got my family. See you later. But if everybody stays and you're like, I just need a handful of people to stay, and then as they're staying, like, come on, I'll buy you dinner. It's different because they're motivated by the task itself, not by that dangling carrot. And Zelda's really, really good at, instead of just in case you ever might think to need this thing, I promise it's the big present. Like, right. you never get the whole Triforce. Like, it's, you're always working towards that, and it's just like, hey, good on you. I'm, I'm paying attention here. Here's a little thing to kind of reward you for the work that you've done, um, which makes you feel smart. Well, you even said, too, it's like a platformer and a puzzler. So some of it is. It's an unlocking of something, and the the items or the power ups that it isn't so much extrinsic as it is a a measurement. I mean, it's like showing you that you have gone through more of the game, and it unlocks different abilities, which unlocks more potential for future puzzles to be solved. Like some of the puzzles would be impossible without the like silver boomerang. You know, like you need it. So, right. You know, like. I feel like sometimes gamification, when it gets just lumped into that like intrinsic versus extrinsic reward thing, it's it's the most base version of gamification. Yeah. And like when you and I are talking about trying to make Zelda in our classrooms, we're not talking about mm-hmm. the base version of gamification. No, I mean, I think something else that Zelda does really well is the power of myth, the power of story. Like, I. You know the idea of like the hero's quest. Um, I was say, it's there's a something about journey, it, man. It's awesome. Like, and I, and as as an English teacher, I'm going to geek out here. Like, uh, so Zelda Fitzgerald, uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald's wife, is the namesake of of the Zelda princess um, in the Zelda franchise, which is so cool because I teach literature. Um, and I, and I geek. People are watching on TV. I got my 1984 T-shirt on today. Um, <laughs> well played. Well played. <laughs> um, I, I was hoping for the Matera. I love it, but I didn't I get the 11. It. So I'm going to see if I can push for that later. Um, but I, uh, in addition to that, the, the main character's name is Link. And he's called Link because the etymology of a Link is something that connects one world to another world. And we never hear him talk. Everybody else around him talks. All the good guys talk. All the bad guys talk. All the helpers talk. But you never hear Link. And even up till now in the series... They're very hesitant to put any voices out of that character other than like an odd like hi-ya when he's like chopping down trees because he is you. He, I mean, you are Link and that Link into the game is like this person is the avatar through which you will come to see the world of this story. So like we don't know this character's backstory. We know the backstory of everyone else around this character. And it's, it's really immersive because it, it makes you feel welcome to that world. Like, you know, my wife is a music teacher and she says so much of good theater is that this character knows what they were doing three minutes before they came on stage and then three minutes after they went off stage. It's not like they were just created for the sake of this scene to be moved forward. Um, and like later games like the Halo series do a fantastic job of these really rich mythologies and kind of pull people in. But 
when your students are welcome to the world of your English class, or your history class, like, does a new unit feel like it was just started fresh on Monday? And it's like, well, this is arbitrary. We started this book, now we're, or does it feel like you're welcoming me into this sort of rich, connected world and that almost like Ryan Howard in the first season of The Office, like, you're just the, the everyman who's being introduced to these characters who were here for hours and hours or days or days or weeks or weeks or years or years. Like, that's a really cool thing as an educator and as a student to be like, you're here and there's a legacy that sort of predates you and there's a story that you're becoming a part of. Yeah, I mean, I, I well, I got a lot to process there. <laughs> Go ahead. You, you shared I, I, a lot. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, going back to the story of Zelda and Link, uh, who out there, I mean, I challenge any one of you that are listening to this or for the first time watching this, how are you not like, that kicks butt. This is the greatest game of all time, right? I mean, that's <laughs> that's fantastic. I got to admit, I did not know all of that that you shared. Um, and this is it, what I do, Michael. I, and it I was hang like, out on the internet. I'm just sitting there thinking like, this is ridiculous. This is super awesome, right? <laughs> super awesome. Off the charts. So I hope all of you took that same takeaway on that. And then to sort of talk about as teachers and designers of an experience, it's got, I mean, it's got to be that invitation. It's got to be something greater than just the unit starts Monday and, you know, here's your sort of unit syllabus. Um, and we miss, I think, such an opportunity because our students, you know, to our students are like Link, right? They are in that moment in your world that you created, whether you gamify or not, like you're creating an experience. Uh, and the, and the more that I talk about gamification with people, the more I've done these well played, the more I've just immersed myself in this, I, what I realize is we, we are all on some level should kind of be doing gamification because good gamification is about building experiences that are like lasting, that are welcoming, that are transformative. So like, you know, if you don't want to give out items or badges, you don't want to do a leaderboard, fine, fine, fine. But like create an experience, like, you know, make it welcoming. Can I put, can I put you on blast for a second? Because I think two weeks ago we had a chance to meet up in person at ASCD. And if you guys have never been to like a conference, it doesn't matter what the conference is, like just connect with other educators. It's just so powerful. Like your, your people you see on Twitter, like they're real. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> it's so cool to connect with, um, you know, people who are smart, people you're reading and tweeting and like, we, and we get stronger together. And I think that idea of like the old man giving you the sword, you know, makes you feel like, hey, I have a tribe that really helps you connect. Um, but, but can you tell the story about how you welcome students to your class and you told the story about your dashes, like welcoming students oh, from yeah. like, so, can, you, can you tell that story again for the, for the listeners? Because it was awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, I just kind of trying to pitch to the audience that, you know, look at the difference between this. I could start my year off with saying, hey guys, you know, you're my world history 6-1, you know, you're my favorite dash, I promise, like, I love you guys. Or I could say, like, welcome, you know, you guys are the house of Illyria. You know, the former Illyrians have come and gone. They've left their legacy. They slogged through this year. And last year, they accumulated 500,000 points through all sorts of quests and activities. And now it's your turn. They They can't help you anymore. They can't do it. It's, it's, it's your time to shine. It's your time to, to bring it. What kid's not going to like hear that and be like, I'm in, I'm in, right? Like that's the Zelda just, moment. It's so smart, Michael, because what it does is it says like, there is a mythos here and there's a world that I'm welcoming you to. 
And what you're doing without doing it is like the the movie trailer voice. It'd be great if you can like you know have some sound effects here in the podcast, right? Like (laughs) in a world where like that's it. It's like in a world where we're you know we're students, you know, adventurers, explorers, traveling through time or traveling through history. It's like immediately again, I think about that link, right? Link is you. You are now that person who lives this story. And like you say in your 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 pitch or in your your story, like what will your legacy be? Like what will your story be? to add to this rich tapestry, this history of this kingdom that exists, you know, years, but it really feels older than itself, right? Um, and there's something that's beautiful about that because as a, as, a, as a learner, you want your learning legacy to be more than just the grade you got in your classroom. Right, I mean, I think that's it. And I think all kids, all students, even adult students, I mean, I would say this even of college, like you, you actually want to be inspired by more than just the grade more than just the, I need to write this paper. You, it's human nature to want to be a part of something bigger. Uh, so let's, let's widen that experience a little bit and, and add a little, a little drama to it. So let me ask you about drama because we're talking about um, this uh, maybe as the case study game. Um, there are things about Zelda that, that drive you batty. Um, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's important that um, a good learning experience. You think about a rubber band, right? If it's too loose, there's no function to it. If it's too stretched, it'll snap. You want that sweet spot of tension where it's just a little harder than um, what it's supposed to be. Um, and I'm and I'm looking at what gamification looks like with that. The idea that you know, I, was, I heard it, and I don't know where I was. I think it was in maybe it was in Boston. I was in Boston. Maybe it was your session. The failure rate of 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 games and platforms. Were you the one who were talking about that? Yeah. Like they build in a failure rate of like. About 80% of the time, they want you to fail at this game. Yep. Um, that's crazy. If you built a classroom experience and you're like, oh, yeah, 8 out of 10 of you guys won't pass it on the first try, like, everyone would lose their mind. But, like, Zelda is designed to frustrate the heck out of you and say, haven't got it yet, huh? All right, what are you going to do next? What good, do you, like, let's, let's problem solve. A good example of building that into Zelda is I think Zelda's got to be I'm, – I'm sure I'm wrong on this, but it'd have to be one of the earliest open-world games where – you, it's not leveled out like Mario was, where you know you had to do level one, then level two. It's just like here's the map, and you may stumble Correct. into level three castle, and then all of a sudden, like you do need like some special sword in that one, and you are just going to lose and lose and lose and lose. And the game's not going to tell yes. you like you need a special sword. You just have to kind of decide maybe I shouldn't be in this temple yet. Like, right? I like, gotta get out. When, and it, I mean, like in an early, early RPG, it's doing this thing where it's like. You can go there if you want to. I, I mean, yeah. See what Pro- happens. Probably a and poor like, choice, but <laughs> yeah. But like, go I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you go, and I'm gonna let you fail, and I'm gonna let you burn every bush in a forest for four hours, and I'm gonna get you like, you're gonna try again and again to stab that old man who gave you the sword because you just tried stuff in a game. It's like yeah. shooting the dog in um in a duck hunt. Like you're just gonna try it, um, and certain decisions in this will be totally fruitless, but. It's this random reward, which again goes back to good gamification. Like, it's why slot machines work, right? If you won every time, you just push the button. That's there's no joy in that. Yep. But if it's that was really hard and that shouldn't have worked, and it did work, done it. Now I'm gonna spend three more hours, like, like the lost woods same. or the water temples. I mean, like, it's you get that rush and you're like, and I feel really smart because I solved the problem that was hidden in here. And like, there's a lot of people who are playing who couldn't solve that problem. And I, I get to brag to my friends on the playground about it. I get to put it on my map. I get to tell my brother, oh, I found a, you know, a code or a, an unlock. Um, 
and then you swear to your cousin, look, I, I want to show you this thing and it doesn't work the second time. Like, I promise it worked. Like, that's, it's really, really cool that the game um, is designed with that in mind. Yeah. Those Lost Woods were frustrating. That was one that I, I thought I could replicate and then I couldn't replicate. For those that haven't played it, it was, again, if you picture each screen, you can do something like go up, down, left, right, and then the new screen would show up. It was this thing where it would be a repeating screen. It looked like the same forest, but if yep. you followed a certain pattern, like if you went over and then up and then over or something like that, you would get to the Lost Woods. But if you took any other path, they would just continue to show you the same. It would look like the same forest every time, and you'd eventually just turn back, and you'd be instantly back. And you'd right. be like, I guess I didn't move forward. That's weird. So like that's, that's how it gave you a hint that there must be something going on, but it didn't tell you what you had to do. Well, and and what a clever metric. And I'm wondering, like, you know, as we game jam stuff, like, is there a way to put something like that in your classroom where it's like, oh, this is impossible. And it's going to frustrate the heck out of a lot of people. But like a Rubik's Cube, if you spend enough time, you learn the pattern of it. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. Like when Neo starts to see in bullet time, like then the whole game slows down and you start to see the entire matrix come into focus. Mm -hmm. Like, is there something that we can do as classroom educators that is mimetic of that same style of, I don't know. Just try it, and you're going to get stuck. It's a, it's a it's a like a logic puzzle sort of thing. I don't know. I mean, like I said, I haven't done it yet, but I loved in the game, and what you were saying too about the failure rate. That that game, while it frustrates you, it also shows you some of the best aspects of of gamification. Take that sort of dungeon example. When you lose, when you die in a dungeon you just automatically start over at the start of the dungeon. So yeah. on one hand, it doesn't make you have to like go all the way back to the starting screen and have to spend seven minutes going back to that temple. But on the other hand, like, ooh, you might have been like one screen away from like beating the temple and now you have to go all the way back. So I think as an educator too, people slag on or dog on this idea of like teaching to mastery or like infinite retakes with this idea that, that you create a no accountability culture. Um, and what I'll, I'll, what I'll say to that in response, and Zelda teaches me that, is like, yeah, but you know when people quit playing a game? When it stops being fun at a certain point? And there's a certain part where, like, I need to call it a night on Zelda, even though I'm that close, because I now have to start that temple all over again. It's like, it's not fun to have to do infinite retakes on a test. Like, nope. you're giving a child a chance to lean in and learn more, and like, yeah, learn from your mistakes and correct it. But like, the third or fourth time you die in that temple, you're like, man, you know what? I'm going to play outside for a minute. Just not gonna play Zelda because there's a there's that frustration point yep. eclipses your, your willingness. Yep. Right, you know? And like you, you know you can come back to it, but I think that's important because so many of the critics of like these these retakes, you know, are, are like kids have to learn on the first try and like SAT doesn't um, take the average of two scores. SAT gives the best of those two scores. But you know what's not fun? Losing a Saturday and going to school and stressing out and having to sharpen number two pencils and fill in bubbles. So at a certain point, the game itself, because it is time prohibitive. Or like that restart at the start of a dungeon thing is like yep. now there's a cost to this. I'm not there's there are consequences, but it's not you know the the end. Um, and I think that that's a great thing for us to remember as 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 learners and as teachers. So basically, Zelda's the best. Yeah, I mean without a doubt. Um, and I think that the the legacy that it inspires is it, it's because it has a strength of a story. Like I, I love a lot of games for the Nintendo that just never really kind of took off. If you've never played Solstice, it's an awesome like overhead like three three quarter view platformer. It's great. Um, it's puzzles, and I think they had like a sequel for the Super NES called Equinox. Um, it's like Zelda with better graphics, but it doesn't have the legs. 
Um, I love Kid Icarus. No one seems to love Kid Icarus. I love Kid I Icarus. Love it's Kid a great Icarus. game. In fact, one whole I have a whole presentation <laughs> themed around Kid Icarus. Is that right? Oh yeah. my gosh, I need to I need to get my hands on that because it's like the forgotten Nintendo game. Like I just think it's awesome. Um, and I and I love uh, there's a, there's a great racing game called Galaxy Five Thousand, which is very late in the Nintendo series, but it's like it's Mario Kart before there was Mario Kart, and like you're a, you're a space blasting thing, and you kind of blast away spaceships, and you repair them or you level up between between races, which is cool. But none of these things are people's favorite game. Like they don't endure thirty years, you know, yeah. generations. So there's something about Zelda that just works, and I don't know what that magic formula is. But like, if a kid talks as fondly about my class in ten years or twenty years down the road as I talk about my experience in my cousin's basement playing Zelda and like writing down on chart paper like where you know temples are, then I've succeeded as an educator. I mean, that's yep. that's a very powerful legacy to leave. And I think that's what, I don't know, that's the drum I keep beating is that like if we build experiences, that's this is what's going to be talked about, you know, tomorrow in the lunchroom, but it's also going to be talked about in the dorm room, you know, 10 years from my class. And I think there's something to be said about that, like creating those kind of moments, those kind of memories. It, it far extends beyond just the lesson and just the unit. Uh, so I think those are things we should all take a look at. But yeah, brother. But now, unfortunately, sadly, we have to wrap up this Zelda game jam, which is really hard for me because, <laughs> like, we have talked about 1% of what I wanted to talk about about Zelda because it is so amazing. Uh, but maybe John and I will continue to wax poetically afterwards. We can have a continue or a, an extra life or something down the line. There you go. Uh, but, all right, so reflection time. Here we are. Here we go. Uh, the quote comes from Zelda itself, right? I, I had no choice. So this this had to happen. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the main sort of ethos of the game, really. It is, the quote is, have the courage to seek the wisdom that will grant you power. Um, how, does, how does that hit you in the wider sense, in the teacher sense, not the Zelda sense? Oh, so I think the answer is it's, it's about courage to explore, um, which is the heart of what that game is. It's if you go to a conference, as a really good example of it, like go into that conference with an open mind. If you're checking out Twitter, even if you're just lurking on Twitter, like lurk and learn stuff and like ask those questions that are where, where the power is, right? It's you didn't think that this would be what you were looking for, but now that you think about it, you can never go back because it just unlocks new secrets and, and you know, it's like Robert Frost, like two roads diverge in the wood, and he takes the one he thinks is less traveled. But he says, I saved the one for the other day, but knowing how roads go, I know one road's going to split into split into split, so I might never go back there. Like, you have to have that courage, and Zelda's so great at that. Like, explore everything you can in this room, and when you're done with this room, leave and figure out where you need to go next. And that's that's really empowering as, as a teacher, as a learner, as, as just trying to be a better person, you know, giving yourself that, that permission to unlock new doors, I guess. Yeah, for me, it's very similar. Um, this this game is like woven into me. It's a huge part of my past, and it it arguably is a huge part of my presence, cause uh, or present, cause this is this is my book. I mean, to be honest, like it is about seeking, exploring, experiences, right? And in through all of those, I'm trying to encourage you. I'm trying to encourage myself <laughs> to have the courage to, to seek that wisdom to forever be changed, right? 
as you were saying about the roads, I would just say that you can't go back and take that road because you are never going to be the same. You will never be presented with those roads again uh, because you've grown, you've changed, you, ha you have new, new ability, new talent. There'll be other choices in front of you, but never the same. So, uh, you know, I hope that we all continue to have that courage to seek the wisdom and that it will grant you power. And I don't mean power in any sort of manipulative sort of way. It's just like that self-power, right? Like that you're stronger, you're better than you ever were before. And what you did matters. I mean, that's, that's it. You know, that's, that's that, that you're a part of this story that's bigger than yourself. It just, it's a perfect game. It's a perfect place to, to start a conversation and really to, you know, start an education, which is awesome. All right, people. I got to thanks, John. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This is your uh, second time and looking yep. forward to another one. And everyone, it's truly an honor, a uh, pleasure to start here year two of Well Played Podcast with you guys. And for those of you for the first time joining us via video on YouTube, uh, you know, leave a post below. Let us know if you like this, if this works, if it doesn't. Um, well, I guess that's still invaluable information. Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, it's really an honor to have you guys each week. Uh, I, I love these conversations. I love hearing from you guys afterwards. Um, I know John's the same way. Um, but this is the stuff we live for, for our classrooms, for our kids. So it's an honor having you listen, learn, and play with us each week. I hope next week's no different and that you're here. So peace out. Thanks, guys. <laughs>